I believe that I feel my mother more now than I did when she was in human flesh. Like when I miss her, I open the window and I can hear her singing in the trees. When I'm standing outside, I can feel her blow through my fingertips. When I'm laying on a beach, I can feel her warmth like on the, from the sun. I can hear her in the waves of the ocean. And so when I feel her, I trust that that feeling is real. I trust that it's her. To anyone who has lost or even more so anyone who's recently lost, maybe this is your first or second Mother's Day without your mother, look to the look to the sky, like feel that she's still there. If you can silence all of the outside noise, you'll recognize, you'll realize, you'll notice that she never left. She never left. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here bringing you another special installment of this week's Motherhood in Focus series on Hurdle. Leading up to Mother's Day this week, I am chatting with six extraordinary women, some moms, some not, but each with a story to tell that has forever been shaped by the woman that came before them. Today, I am so humbled to bring you my conversation with Tunde Oyanane. Peloton instructor and all around just beautiful, beautiful person as I compliment her (laughs) at the start of today's episode. When Tunde and I recorded the last time for the show, and I'll link her first episode in the show notes, I was just so taken by her bravery and tenacity and strength. Tunde not only lost her brother, but also her father and her mother within a six-year period, six years ago. And so today on the show, I am so grateful for her openness and willingness to talk about that chapter of her life and to talk about what life's been like for her since those devastating losses and how she carries on in her day-to-day remembering her mother's spirit. There are so many beautiful parts of today's conversation. I love Tunde talking about how she still feels her mother's presence so much on the regular. She talks about how she navigated these losses and how she took care of herself when it felt downright impossible. Tunde shares her advice for anyone who may share in her struggle and offers up some essential words of wisdom for those struggling specifically during this week. I recognize that for some, Mother's Day can be a day that brings some sadness and I want to hold space for that. I want to hold space for this community in whatever way that you'll let me. So feel free to shoot me a DM, a message. I'm sure we'll be chatting about this over in the Secret Hurdlers Facebook group, and I would love for you to be a part of that as well. The link to join us is in the show notes. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to rate and review the show in the Apple Podcast Store, and make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on Instagram, Facebook at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. With that, let's get to hurdling.
today I am chatting with Tunde Oyene, and she is a Peloton instructor and so many more wonderful things. How you doing, Tunde? Hey, girl. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here talking to you again. I, I need to – can I give you a compliment right off the bat? I mean, I'll never turn down a compliment. Okay. The hair is amazing. I haven't talked to you since we did this. We did this. Like, I'm involved. And also, literally sometimes, like, your content crosses my feed. And I am just so struck by your beauty. Of course, physical, but just the inner, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's the best compliment. Thank you. And we we did do this together. You were there. You held the shears. And we made this happen. But thank you so much. I appreciate that beautiful compliment. Of course, girl. So how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I am doing good. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? You know, no complaints over here. I am uh, excited that it's getting nicer out. It's funny for me because I feel like when it gets nicer out, like everyone also becomes nicer humans in New York. (laughs) Yeah. I was walking my dog, Caesar, this morning and something, my dog did something funny. And the guy that was walking past me looked up and gave me a smile and I smiled back and I thought to myself, wow, why was that so weird? And then I realized he didn't have his mask on. So I actually saw his smile and I thought to myself, wow, I haven't, because New York, you're walking around, you pass people all the time. And so you pass off smiles all day long. And so I haven't received a passed off smile from someone in almost a year and it just felt really good. But to your point, I was just having this conversation with my friend. That's I, I lived in LA for 12 years before I moved to New York. And LA is always beautiful. And I don't want to say when you're in LA, you don't appreciate the weather. I'm not saying that, but there is something about New York and good weather. Like people, you, like in LA, every day is beautiful. So you don't say like, oh, wow. You don't like sit there and just acknowledge how beautiful this day is. In New York, when the weather is beautiful, everyone is outside. Everyone is at the park. People are acknowledging it. They're like texting each other. Hope you're enjoying this beautiful day because it's it's like so rare here that when we get one, we utilize it to the max. We use it fully. So oh, I love that for us. I'm excited that it's nice out. I'm excited to be looking at your beautiful face. I was doing a lot of thinking because I'm recording with you as part of this week-long series leading up to Mother's Day on the show. And I was just so struck by the beautiful way you spoke about your mother the first time that you and I sat down together. And so I thought to myself that you would be just someone that I would be so excited to have a conversation with as a part of this week, just because I know, although not firsthand, that this week can be really challenging. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, social media, I think is a huge part of that. You know, if you are somebody who's, who's lost and you look, you turn anything on your, your phone, your computer, your whatever, and then you see a feed and timelines of people honoring and celebrating their mother as they should, their loved ones. Um, But it can for somebody who whose mother is no longer here, even Father's Day father is no longer here. It's definitely something that, you know, it's just a reminder. It's a reminder of how much you, you miss your your loved one. For those that may be listening today that aren't uh, in the loop on your story, why don't you give us a little bit talking to us about, you know, growing up with your mother and uh, how that was and, and some good times? Yeah, well, I am first generation American, uh, descendant of two Nigerians, Festus and Veronica Oyenane. And, you know, I always make this joke and say, while I am American, 
I grew up in a Nigerian household. Like I went to school, I went to an American school, but when I came home, it was a Nigerian household. Like that's how I was brought up and that's how I was raised. Uh, you know, my favorite memory with my mother, I think that's tough. I don't know that I can single out any one memory uh, because there were, it wasn't, it's not, it's less of a memory and it's just more of a, uh, my favorite, how my mom made me feel, I guess, mm. you know, which was, which was so often reoccurring. She always made me feel like I better know what my name is. Like she never let me take, I don't know if I can curse on here, bleep, you know, she never let me take bleep from anybody. <laughs> um, you know, very much like the, Rather than she was always on my team, always on my side, but rather than like allowing me to just be so in my feelings about things like it was almost uh, her. She was such a good advocate in getting me to woman up, if you will, like to like step into who I am and and recognize it. And, you know, I didn't I didn't see it in myself then what she saw in me and I recognize and I realize it so fully. Now I have fully become the woman that she knew that I was. And I think that that's the, the saddest part about her not being here. Not that she's not here to see who I've become because she already knew. I think the saddest part is that she's not here to see me recognize it too. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when she passed? That's a great question. I was, I think I was 29. I think wow. I was 29. Yeah. Wow. I'm 35 and now. Yeah. Being 29, certainly being a woman well on your way in your career. How did you navigate that time? What was that like for you and your family? Well, you know, I experienced a lot of trauma, a lot of tragedy, um, somewhat at once. Uh, three years before my mother passed away, my dad had passed away. And three years before my dad had passed away, my little brother had passed away. And so it was, I don't want to say it was like a numbness, but it was also wildly familiar. Like, meaning, you know, you go through the different stages of loss and, and grief. And so because those feelings were uh, so fresh, it was almost as if I knew how it was going to go. Meaning when you lose someone, people tell you that you'll be okay, even though you know you're not okay right now, you will one day be okay again. Not necessarily even meaning you'll be yourself again, but you'll be a new version of yourself. You'll be okay again. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so after I lost my mom, it was almost like, it was that knowing it was the, it was the, I knew that I would one day, it was almost like I was able to give myself the pep talk that somebody else would give me, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that I needed to allow myself time to feel, I knew I needed to allow myself the time to grieve. I knew that the worst thing imaginable had just happened to me again. Um, but I also was able to recognize that I was still lucky. I had, have, have H-A-V-E. I have an incredible mother. And 
I got to spend 29 years with her. Some people aren't able to say that, you know? Um, And so I got for 29 years the most excellent human. Uh, When my father passed away, when my father and my brother passed away, I wasn't there to get to say goodbye to them. When my mother passed away, her health started to decline very rapidly. And I was able to fly from LA to, to Houston to be with her for, I think it was about a week or two, although she was in and out and, you know, of knowing what was going on and and not, uh, within, I guess that two weeks that I was there, I had a good five minutes one day where she was completely alert and she was able to relay her final wishes to me. And so I didn't get that before. And so as sad as I was, as sad as I am that she's not here, I acknowledge that it was a gift to to be able to have that final conversation with her. With my brother and with my dad, I wish I got that conversation. So, mm. you know, I I still look at it and say, wow, I'm lucky. I'm lucky I I had the very best mother. I'm lucky that I got to tell her goodbye. I'm lucky that I got to know what her final asks were. Do you mind sharing any of them? I mean, I'll I'll share this. I'll say she one of her wishes was I imagine as a mom and you have three kids still remaining here that you're leaving, you have grandchildren that you're leaving. She was the glue of the family. And I think she just wanted to make sure that we would all still be together, especially me not living in Texas. She wanted me, she asked me to never forget my family, to never forget my brothers, to not, to not leave them. And I don't think she meant it like physically, like don't leave Texas, stay here, move back. But more of now that, you know, every time I went home, obviously I'm going home to visit my nephews and my brothers and all that. But like, I was very, very uh, regular about going home because I needed to see my mom, my mom, my mom, my mom. And Mm. I think she was, her ask was, what she was saying there was, you won't have me here to come back to, but don't forget the rest of your family. And it's funny. One of my brothers, we fight a lot and that's just like our thing. Like I'm cooking something and he'll taste it. And he's like, it's horrible. And <laughs> it's like the best thing anybody's ever eaten, but he's like, it needs more salt or it needs more. I'm like, get out. Like we fight. <laughs> and so she asked me not to fight with him anymore. And so, you know, he still fights with me. Like he'll bicker and do all this stuff. And I just, every time he says, I just, I say nothing. I just let, and every time I say to myself, I'm doing this. She asked me not to fight with this boy. I'm not going to fight with this boy. And so, so, so yeah, it was, it was family. Like she just wanted to make sure that the family would still be a family. I think that when many relationships die or when many relationships end, it's due to a death in the family. Death in the family can, it, when you lose someone in a family, it can bring you together, which I think it does in the beginning for many people, it brings you together and then it can start to rip and divide you apart. Um, and, and I just think she just wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be the case. You spoke about 
this idea that having gone through loss multiple times before that you knew that you would be okay, although you might not be the same as you were before that loss in terms of actually integrating different coping strategies in like how you were grieving. What did you do? How did you manage that period? Hmm. I think each time was different. Each time was different. You know, I will say this. I was very unapologetic about being selfish with my time, meaning people were calling me and texting me to check in on me. And the right thing to do is like, you know, call people back and message people back, let people know you're okay. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I just wanted to be alone. And so I was unapologetic about taking the time that I needed. I took time off of work, I think two or three months. I was really fortunate that I was able to do that. Uh, But I just allowed myself to be. I think I think after I lost my dad, actually, I didn't work out. Like, I just had no desire, I think. And then when I started feeling better, I think it was, I, like, started to get back into a routine. And, you know, at that time, I was also, my diet around that time was really, really clean. Like, I made a conscious decision. I was like, I am going to really protect my body and my health and make sure that my, all my things are working right. And, you know, in order to do that, I need to fuel, fuel my body with the right food. Um, I think that after I lost my dad is when I think that's when I actually like boosted up my like fitness habits and like uh, a, a routine, if that makes any sense at all. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I can I don't know that I recall. I maybe I, I I don't even know that I remember what happened during that time because I wasn't there. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Picky Bars for supporting this week of content. Picky Bars started as a side project to fuel Ironman and marathon training miles for pro athletes Lauren Fleshman, Stephanie Bruce, who you'll hear from later this week, and Jesse Thomas. And it grew into multiple product lines of nutritionally balanced, wholesome, real food options that you can feel great about putting into your body. Even better, their flavors are delicious, which is a huge bonus when shopping for performance fuel to nourish your busy body. I'm talking performance granola. I cannot get enough of their PB&J all day flavor. They've got performance oatmeal, pancakes, and their drizzle. Listen, I know I talked to you all about a lot of great products on the show. The Picky Bars Drizzle is the most delicious thing, period. I cannot stop raving about it to all of my friends and family, and now all of the hurdlers. Good news. Picky Bars is offering Hurdle listeners 20% off their purchase of $25 or more at pickybars.com slash hurdle, which means you can save while trying all of my faves for yourself. They're also offering an additional 20% off if you try a new Picky Club membership. That's pickybars.com, P-I-C-K-Y-B-A-R-S.com slash hurdle to get 20% off your order of all of their super delicious real food snacks and fuel today.
that's so interesting also that takeaway on I know I should quote unquote be like getting back to people and saying thank you for checking in on me but what you said is the most important part like being honest with yourself about what you actually need and I remember in that episode that we we spoke for the last time talking about that term of soul care how are you going to take care of your soul what is it that you need to be your best you so now reflecting back on that, I love before how you said I have a great mother. And I also love, I think even in even in your Instagram bio, it says daughter of immigrants. Like this is such a proud thing for you. So when you reflect on the woman that your mother is, what are some of the values that she had that you are hoping to pass down to other people in your life, whether it's friends? Uh, other family, or perhaps maybe one day your own children? Pride. I would say great pride and humility within pride. Like my mother was a very proud woman um, in the way you could, she radiated that in the way that she walked, the way that she talked, the way that she moved. And I marry in the word humility to that because she was also the most humble and the most gracious and the most generous person. And I saw that in the way, in her relationships. And as a young girl, I didn't realize that it was unique because it was all I, I saw what I saw. And so the way that she was a friend with her friends, like I realize now that she was not only the glue in our family or within our family, but she was also the glue within her sisters, her sisterhood of friends. And, you know, I, as now women, woman, I realized, wow, you know, uh, let's say it was my friend or an aunt that was going through something. Maybe it was in with her children or even with her, her relationships or with work. I realized that my mother was always the first person that her friends called. I now as an adult realize like my aunts or, or that maybe weren't getting along. I realize now, wow, my mom was always the one like trying to like get everybody to come together with love. Um, and so I say that to say like, she, there was a lot of trust. There was a lot of trust in, 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 in her relationships with the people that she loved around her. Do you think that's because she was like super compassionate or a really good listener? Like, what would you pinpoint that quality in her to? Compassionate. Compassionate, for sure. Uh, compassionate, empathy. I would say it's so funny if people ask me, like, uh, if I were, if you were to ask a handful of my five closest friends, what is Tunde's best quality? They would say empathy. I know that without a doubt. Now, if you were to also ask them, what is Tunde's worst quality, they would say empathy as well. Huh. Um, and yeah. why do you say that? Uh, because I, uh, I not only sympathize with people like see things uh, or understand what they're going through. I feel it with them. Mm. And so I also am like the queen of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like I, 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 I play devil's advocate a lot. I, I, was a great debatist. I thought I was going to be a lawyer at one point in my life because I loved to argue the other side or see somebody else's perspective. I'm the queen of, you know, hearing something. And I'm like, well, let's look at it from a different perspective. Like to the point where my girlfriends are like, 
Okay, I'm going to tell you something that my husband did. Please don't try to see his side. Just hear my side. Be my friend. But yeah, and so, so, so yeah. So I, I would say compassion. What a beautiful thing that she passed down to you, though, that quality. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I'm certainly like an empath. So I'm also like that. Let me try to see all sides. How can I help you? Also, like, I'll like rearrange my entire schedule if it means that I can help someone that I care about. Right. I feel like you're you and I probably for the most part within our bandwidth, like share that in common. Yeah. Well, I just you know what it is. I have really, really incredible friends that show up for me for anything uh, whenever I need them. And so it's it's just like this. It's the reciprocal effect kind of thing. You know, you you surround yourself with good people and with good. You have no choice but to then also show up and be good. Ooh, what a takeaway. What a nugget. In your family, I mean, your mom said that she wanted you to show up for one another going forward. How do you all do that? Have you instilled new traditions in your families? Yeah, I mean, this this past year and a half has been different because of COVID. I'm actually, uh, I'm seeing my family for the first time since December 2019 um, in just a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm excited for that. But yeah, I would just say it's like, just continuing to 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 show up for each other like my family we are very much like we we rag on each other a lot make fun of each other a lot and that's kind of how we show love and so you know it's just always showing up for each other always being there for each other um i have 3 one two three nephews and uh one niece and you know, being there for them and watching them grow up is is wildly rewarding for me. Whenever I, I always call my brother and say, brothers and say, "Where are my kids?" and you know, I call <laughs> them my kids and treat them as my kids. I always said because I knew that I didn't live in the same state as them. My wish has always been, or my focus has always been, I don't want because I'm not there in their lives on a day to day. I don't want to be like the aunt that comes around that you're like kind of uncomfortable around because you don't like really know her. And she, you know, I was like, that's not, mm -mm. I'm going to like discipline your children as if I was there every day. I'm going to love them hard as if I was there every day. It's not going to be like the, who's that auntie situation. Um, And so it's just really just showing up for each other, just really showing up for each other. That niece though. I mean, not to downplay the three amazing nephews, but I'm sure she gets like a little extra special loving. (laughs) Oh, she gets all of the special loving and she's the only girl. And so when she was really little, she used to like her, the, the most important thing for her was anytime I came, we would do things where it was girls only, as she said, no boys. And so, you know, we still uphold uphold that tradition. So anytime that I'm in town, I always reserve one day where it's just girls only. I love that. I love just girls only time. For someone uh, listening listening to this episode who shares in your struggle and who shares in your loss, what would you say to them during this difficult week? I would say I believe that I feel my mother more now than I did when she was in human flesh. Like when I miss her, I open the window and I can hear her singing in the trees. When I'm standing outside, I can feel her blow through my fingertips. When I'm laying on a beach, I can feel her warmth like on this from the sun. I can hear her in the waves of the ocean. And so I think that I think that she's always there. And I believe that I'm a a wildly intuitive person. I believe I have a supreme gift to manifest 
things in my life. There came a day some time ago where I made the decision to believe myself, meaning I've everything that I've asked for has happened. Everything that I've said was going to happen in my life has happened. And so I tr- like how many times does the universe have to show you like, yes, this is real. This is real. You're asking for these things. They're real. And so by saying that, like, I trust myself when I feel hurt, I trust that that feeling is real. I trust that it's her. And so to anyone who has lost or even more so anyone who's recently lost, maybe this is your first or second Mother's Day without your mother, look to the look to the sky, like feel that she's still there. If you can silence all of the outside noise, you'll recognize, you'll realize, you'll notice that she never left. She never left. She's still there. She's still here. Right now, Tunday, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of the piece of advice looking back on the weeks and the months and perhaps the first year or two without your mother. What do you tell yourself? I wouldn't change anything and I don't even know that I would tell myself anything different because that would then ultimately change the outcome of where we are here right now. I think what I did well then is that I allowed myself time to grieve. I'm really proud of myself for stepping up for her, not necessarily even within her final days. That's not what I'm speaking to. I'm more so saying, you know, arranging everything and the the words that I shared at her her funeral and at her wake i think my words did her justice and i mentioned before that my mother was a very proud woman and a humble woman and a generous woman and i think that my words but the way that i told her story and i think the the message that i left for her loved ones, I I did her well. And I think that I continue to, every day, I continue to build on her legacy. I think that, I say I wouldn't do anything differently because I grieved and I was down and I was not myself. And I wasn't the same friend that I was to my friends. And I wasn't the same colleague or coworker. I wasn't the same. And that is and was okay. I needed to not be the same to reach where I am now. And I wouldn't apologize for that. And I wouldn't change it. I am different now. I'm not the same person that I was, uh, you know, before I lost my brother, my father, my mother, I wasn't the same person. Um, but the person that I am today is the person that I am supposed to be. And this person that I am now is the person who's supposed to continue the legacy. Everything I do, I do for her. Everything I do, I do for her. I do it in her name and her honor um, and in her legacy. Uh, and so, yeah, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't tell that Tunde anything. I would just like, I would love to to maybe have a peek and just watch her. I would rather just watch her and like let her figure out this journey on her own because ultimately it would it, it's going to lead her to exactly where she needs to be. Have you always had this kind of like grace and compassion with yourself or do you think that came with time from all of these experiences? Um, I don't know. I'm like, do I have grace and compassion with myself? Um, the way that you talk, you do. Like, I mean, I think it's really special for you to say, like, I recognize that that was a really difficult time, but here I am saying you did the best you could with what you had. And that was a hard time. I think hindsight is, is, you know, real. Right. And so then did I know that? No, I don't know that I knew that. Uh, now. Okay. So have I always, uh, then maybe no, I I think now because I am able to, I trust myself so much. I trust myself so much. And I believe that everything happens for a reason is with, for someone who's experienced as much loss as I have to say that still, like, I believe that everything happens for a reason in purpose, on purpose of purpose and with great purpose, because I believe that. And I trust myself I trust that all will be well. The my, one of my favorite things to say is that the truth will reveal itself whenever you're ready to see it. The truth will reveal itself whenever you are ready to see it. Everything's already in motion. Everything's already happening. You don't realize that everything is happening or was already happening until you step out of where you are. So for example, um, I'll use Peloton, for example. I'm a Peloton cycling instructor. I never planned this, dreamed this, thought of this. When I was going through my battle with my weight and on this weight loss journey and like finding out who I was and finding confidence and like falling in love with working out, like when I was heavy and overweight, I was insecure and I didn't understand, you know, why I wasn't able to lose weight and all these different things. I realize now that. Uh, that was supposed to be my story because it allows me to empathize and understand what people are going through in their journey. Now I had to go through that to be who I am in this moment. Maybe I still would have been a cycling instructor. Maybe I still would have been a Peloton cycling instructor. I wouldn't be the tune day that I am now without having had gone through that experience. The truth will reveal itself when you are ready to see it. Now I am ready to see why that was then. Right. And so to kind of circle back to your question, I've always been a deep thinker. Like I'm the person who's like, why do we call blue blue? Why couldn't blue be called orange? Like I've always challenged thought and perspective. And I think that's why I empathize and see people's point of view, because I don't take anything just at face value. I I look at things fully. So I've always been that way. I, as I get older, I have moved more into my faith in myself and my, again, my, my trust and myself. I think that authenticity is the, the intersection of truth and trust. When you are able to truly be yourself, and trust that your truth 
is okay, then you are able to be your most authentic self. When trust and truth intersect, you are able to be yourself, your most authentic self. Wow. That takeaway, this really brings it full circle to even the beginning of our conversation when you were saying how your mother just wanted you to basically be your own hype man, to be so sure of who you are and proud of who you are and authentic in who you are. And so to get to this point in our conversation, as we wind down here for you to, to be so proud and so sure. And I think what's important to reiterate here is that that doesn't mean from time to time that you're not going to second guess yourself, right? Because I think that some people hear stuff like this and they're like, how can she be just so sure all of the time? No, like you're going to second guess yourself. I second guess myself, but I know that I have the best intentions of being confident in who I am. I second guess myself all the time, (laughs) but whether it's my second guess or my third guess or my fourth guess, whatever guess I land at, wherever I land, that's where my trust moves in. It's not that I don't question things or go back and forth or ask for opinions and advice. But wherever I land, whenever I land in that choice, in that decision, I trust that that is true. I trust that where I land is right, period, period. And I, I, I love ending here on, on what you were referencing before is like, you'll, you'll be ready. Like when you get through all the lessons and you're ready to recognize like what happened and you can see it for what it is, like you will know, and you'll be grateful for it. And so I can say without a doubt that I, as Mel, as well as many are grateful for you getting to where you're at because your outlook and your perspective, it's not just helping people, you know, at Peloton on the bike, but in so many other aspects of their life, specifically this week, as we're talking about something that's not exactly easy, but something that hearing your perspective, hearing your outlook for so many is going to be just so helpful. Thank you so much, Emily. Thanks, girl. So how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they stay in the loop with you? Give me all of your details. <laughs> I'm the worst social media person ever. Like I have an Instagram and kind of a Facebook. Uh, Instagram is tune, T-U-N-E, the number two, tune day, T-U-N-D-E. And my Facebook is tune day, oh, name at uh, Peloton. Beautiful. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.